0: hello friends uh, my name is Shayna Powell sometimes you see me up here hosting and this weekend our lead pastor Brian asked me to share about this specific bes- uh, specific topic we'll be talking about today. And when he asked me, I didn't realize it was Super Bowl Sunday and that his team would in fact be in the game, so now I'm a little suspicious as to whether the timing of this had anything to do with the 49ers. But it is great to be with you today, and um, as many of you know, we are square in the middle of this series that we're calling Cojourners, and this one is particularly thrilling for me because I get to be part of the team that receives your texts and your um Info cards and your prayer requests and gets to pray for what God is doing through your lives and we are pumped it is so fun to watch um, what God does in your heart as we get on mission with him so thank you for that please keep them coming it it just is, it makes not only our day but our weeks and maybe even our whole month as we do this series so thank you now sometimes people will say to me I'm not I'm not very evangelistic And I say, I think we're evangelistic when we know we've got something good. So a while back, I thought I had something really good. Now, I love spy movies. I love gadgets. I love the explosions in the theater, especially when it's extra loud and big. And so a Bourne movie came out a while back, and I couldn't wait to go. So I get my friends together, we go to the movie, it's packed, so we can't actually even sit together, so I'm sitting next to strangers. Now my friends are in the theater with me, but I'm not next to them, and we're watching it, and um, I'm loving it, and near the end, um, my friends had told me to be ready, because after the credits was a special scene, you know, that added scene that sometimes is there. So as we're getting to the end, the credits start to roll, and people stand up, and they start to leave. And I'm thinking, oh no, they're gonna miss out. And so I I don't want them to miss out. So what I do is I I just kind of say to my friend a couple rows, hey, don't leave, there's something after the credits. And some people hear that, and so they're like, what's after the credits? And I'm like, oh, there's a special scene. So more and more of these strangers are sitting around me and my friends are staying and I've gathered a little group around me and you can tell where this is going, can't you? The credits end, the lights come on, there is no extra scene. I have just recruited all these strangers <laughs> to sit with me because I thought I had something good. <laughs> I was evangelistic about it and I was wrong. But we, friends, we have something good. We have the greatest thing, the story of God. And as he's changed our life, it is just the greatest story anywhere. So as we talk today about sharing that story, just, just want to remember that this is a good thing that we have to share. Now, cojourners, that's what we're calling it. And of course, that is a made-up word. It does not exist. But we love it because we feel like it captures what we're trying to communicate so well. The truth is, is that every single person is on a spiritual journey. Whether you know it or not, it's just true. We were created by God for him. And what we try to do as a cojourner is come alongside people on their spiritual journey and enter in and see if God would use us to help them take steps towards the cross. That's what we're trying to do as we cojourn with people. Last week, um, we talked about the first role of that, and you may remember this diagram. And the first role is an explorer. And if you missed last week, could I encourage you to go online and listen to it or grab a CD outside? It was so good and very practical. We're gonna build on some of those things today. So the explorer uses good questions and great listening to understand where somebody else is on their spiritual journey. The goal of the explorer is to learn. And then you'll remember that we talked about using a sometime question to help bridge us into this next role of a guide. You might say to your friend, hey, I'd love to sit down and hear what you think about spiritual things sometime. It's a very gentle way to kind of knock on the door of their spiritual journey and see if they would let you join in. Now, as a guide, we have three tools. We have Christian community, just bringing them into the body of Christ together, We have a gospel explanation, um, a tool, or some sort of presentation to share the gospel. And the third one is your own personal story, how God's story has intersected with yours and changed your life. That's what we use as the guide. Now along the road, so often we get stuck somewhere. There's some sort of a barrier that, that holds us up on our spiritual journey. So we can play the role of a bridge builder, helping people overcome wherever their sticking point is on the road to the cross. And then once our friends and family trust Christ, we get to play the role of a mentor, helping people not only be disciples, but learn how to make disciples who can make disciples. So this is the picture of what it is to be a cojourner. And this is what we've been talking about in this series. Now, lost my spot. Imagine that you're in this scenario. These friends that you've been doing life with, you've been listening to their spiritual journey and you're ready now to have the conversation you've asked them if they'd like to get together sometime and talk about spiritual things and they've said yes. So now you're in the car and you're headed to your favorite coffee shop or you're getting ready to have dinner or you're headed out for a beer and you're going to talk about the story. What are you going to say? That's what we're going to talk about today. What are you going to say? Last week you had some specific questions that you could ask as an explorer. Some of you called the notes page last week your cheat sheet. So we just want to build from that cheat sheet today. I put three questions in there that you can keep in your just hip pocket and pull out and they'll, they'll just land you right in that guide roll. The first one is this. If you were to stand before God and he asked, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And as your friend answers that question, just be listening just be listening to their responses. You can follow that up with a question like, on a scale of one to 10, how sure are you, based on your answer, that God would welcome you in? That gets at their confidence in what they've just said. And then just lay all your cards on the table and say, this question really gets at the heart of what God wants from us. Would you be open, open to hearing and talking about what the Bible has to say about that? You're just asking for permission now to talk about the gospel story. A second way that you could do it, um, one of the questions from last week was, if it were possible to know God personally, would you want to? Now, if the person says maybe or yeah or I've wondered about that, all those, those are maybe yeses. So you could just ask, could I share with you a short outline that talks about how you could? I would love to hear your thoughts. Again, they can blow you off. You can take that. Just Talk about other things you've got in common. A third question, if someone asked you how to become a Christian, what would you tell them? And you remember from last week, you can't send them to Brian or John. You have to answer. So your friend tells you the answer, what they're thinking, and you could say something like, in listening to people answer that question, I find many people misunderstand the core message of Christianity. Could we talk about that together? Now, as you're co-journing with your friends, remember to set aside assumption and just 100% try. Just float the question out there and see how they respond. They're adults, and if they wanna say no, they can, and you can hear no, and you have so many other things in common with them that you can talk about. So feel free to just say, thanks for being honest, I really appreciate that, and then move on to another topic that you have in common with them. And in the role of guide, your goal is not to win an argument. In fact, I would say if you're in an argument, you're already losing. So your goal is to talk about the God story and help bring people to an understanding of where they stand with Christ. So often, I hear people say this phrase all the time, they'll say, my friends, my family, my coworkers, they know where I stand with Christ. You see, that's not really the goal either. The goal isn't that they know where you stand with Christ, the goal is that they come to understand where they, where they are before a holy God, what their standing is before God. That's the goal of a cojourner in the guide role. Do, do they trust in themselves? Are they, are they a good person? Are they trusting in that? Or do they recognize their desperate need for a savior? And have they surrendered their, themselves to his lordship in their life? I love to people watch. I don't know if you guys ever do that you know, the airport. I like to wonder where people are going. If if they're going to Orlando for Disneyland or are they going off for business, what are they they up to? I used to love on campus to go um, sit in the library and watch students pass at noon in front of Montana Hall. Just thousands of people and wondering what are their lives about right now? You may have heard it said that there's a drama behind every face, and it's so true. And in each one of our lives, we have the same themes happening and those same themes are in the God story too. So as, as we start to talk about God's story, we wanna listen for those themes and learn how to talk about those themes, really the backstory of our lives. And apart from this backstory of what God is doing in the world, life can feel like a movie that you've showed up to 45 minutes late. Something important is going on, there's good guys and bad guys, I don't really know who's who and I'm not sure how it's gonna end. You need someone to come along and tell you what you've missed and help you understand where you are in the story. So that's what we're gonna talk about right now. And what I'd like to ask you to do is listen with with two ears, but this way. One of your ears, just listen to the gospel story again. Let Let it wash over you anew. And with your other ear, be listening and imagining having this kind of conversation around your dinner table, okay? talk about the story of God. And we want to give you a tool so you can get better at this in your own life. So afterwards, we're going to have it for you. It's out in the lobby at the info desk and over here on the right for you to take one with you. So don't feel like you have to take a million notes. Just take some things down that stand out to you so you can get better at telling this story. So the first question is, does life have a backstory? And we've been talking about how that is true and how God, he has created us all. And that he didn't create us because he was bored and lonely and needing something to do but he decided to create us all in his image in fact we were created for relationship with him the first theme of our story is intimacy from the beginning relationships have been woven into the fabric of our life we were fashioned as works of art reflecting the image of our creator We think, we choose, we create, and we were designed to love, to experience intimacy with God and others. Don't you sense that in your life? We are relational down to our toes. Our society even has punishments around this. We have things like solitary confinement, or we have timeouts for kids where we pull them away from interacting with other people, right? We just, it's just who we are. And inside of us, as we see the brokenness and the tension in the world, the relationships that are damaged, you just think about your deepest wounds in life. So often it's rejection, abandonment, loneliness. Those things, there's there's an oughtness, a a feeling that it, it ought not be this way that is just resonating inside of us because how we were made for relationship with God. So what has happened to the creation as God meant it to be? The second theme is betrayal. But intimacy was lost Humanity turned from the source of life and chose to live without God. Now pain, selfishness, and a corrupted nature stain all of our relationships. We experience the world as broken, life as lacking, and things not as they ought to be. God has created us for intimacy and relationship with him. But we want to make our own choices in life. It goes right back to our first parents in the garden. The evil one comes to them and he says... God is holding out on you. You should choose for yourself what's right. And they, and they do. And, and, they, and it breaks those relationships. And the evil one still says the same lie to us. And we buy it. And you see the, the evidence of this in all of our relationships in life. People with people. You see it with, with um, war. You see it with racism. You see it men with women. In divorce. In sexism. You see it with the way people relate to the rest of creation in our destruction, our pollution of the world. And you see it even in our relationship with ourselves. People imprisoned in their own fear and shame. This is just evidence of the fruit of sinfulness in our world that comes from betraying God and going our independent way from him. Romans puts it this way. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. What we try to do is we try to replace the source of life with money, reputation, security, prestige, relationships, even simply adventure, trying to fill that space with something else. But God doesn't leave us this way. The third theme is anticipation. Is there any hope Actually, yes. Though we betrayed God, he did not abandon us. Through the prophets, God promised to send a Savior who would restore and rescue us from the consequences of our sin and betrayal. Throughout the Old Testament, you see again, God building a people for himself. And over and over and over, you see the people of God go their own independent way, experience the consequences and pain of that sin, cry out to the Lord, and he rescues them. The story I think we all know the best, that I feel like is the most vivid picture of this, is the Exodus story. Let me just retell it in my own words. The people of God have been enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. Their situation is dire, and they're in desperate circumstances. And they're crying out to God. And the Lord decides to go to war for his people. Through Moses, he comes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, this is my economic engine. I'm not letting the people go. So God pounds again and again and again on Egypt. Blood, locusts, hail, darkness, raining frogs, and death. Until finally, Pharaoh opens his hand for a moment and lets the people go. And so quickly he changes his mind and he sends out his armies after the people of God. They're pinned against the Red Sea, enormously outmanned as the chariots of Pharaoh descend upon them. There is just no hope that they're going to be able to defend against the armies of Pharaoh. But God uses the Red Sea and drowns every last soldier and the people of god stand in awe on the opposite bank they're shocked and awe and they say in exodus 15 the lord is a warrior he fights for us he comes to rescue us it's a great story but just a few days later they're complaining about the journey to freedom it's too hard and they don't like the food they'd rather go back to egypt Throughout the Old Testament, God says, he continues the cycle, but he says, the Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. Look forward to his arrival until he comes. The fourth theme is pursuit. As promised, God sent the one who would rescue and restore us. His name was Jesus. The unique Son of God became one of us. He spoke truth, modeled love, dispensed grace, granted forgiveness, and offered life in all of its fullness. God promised the rescuer, the savior. Through the prophets, there are 90 different predictions about who this person would be, and Jesus fills every single one of them. Jesus himself tells us why he came in Luke when he says, the son of man comes to seek and save those who are lost. Paul tells us what Jesus came to do in Colossians when he says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus comes, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead, freeing the captives, and we crucify him. Sacrifice. Life's greatest mystery was revealed in love's greatest act. Jesus, the author of life, died for us, taking upon himself our guilt and atoning for our sin. How can we be sure? God raised Jesus from the dead. He is alive today and offers life to all who would receive it. As I came to learn about the gospel story in college, I remember wrestling through, why did he have to die And when you think about all the ways forgiveness could happen, not that any of you have ever been pulled over by an officer, but imagine if you have. Sometimes they give you a warning. Isn't that nice? It's like, stop speeding, knock it off, go ahead. And you're just like, yes, thanks for the forgiveness. That's not the kind of forgiveness that God gives. Why doesn't he do it that way? Well, you see, Romans 6 tells us, the wages of sin is death. So, if I could ask you right now to just take off your church hat for a second and just think about the word wage. What does it mean in just normal life? Well, wage is how much you earn for what you do. So, let's say you have a job and you work 10 hours that week, Um, you expect a paycheck for 10 hours of work. And if you work eight hours and your paycheck is 10, you know you're stealing. And if you work 15 hours and your paycheck's only 10, you're angry because you worked way more than that and you expect what you You know, one for one there. Well, what God is telling us is because of our independence and our betrayal of his lordship, we deserve death. That there is a death penalty on me and there is a death penalty on you for that act. But Jesus, who committed no sin, he lived the life we couldn't live, he takes your death penalty on himself and he dies in your place. He dies in my place but he doesn't stay dead. The father raises him back up and he sits him back up in heaven at the right hand of the father, glorified again. This is good news. But it isn't just that Jesus invites us out of something, saves us from something, frees us from prison, but he invites us into something. That's the sixth theme, it's invitation. Now God invites us to come back to him through trusting in Jesus. Forgiveness is a free and undeserved gift received only through genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Receiving Christ opens the door to life in all of its fullness. Jesus invites us back. He invites us back into relationship with him as it was meant to be. He invites us out of slavery to sin and into adoption as a son or daughter of God. He invites us out of meaningless vain existence into the family business of restoration and redemption of the world he invites us into a family a fellowship of noble hearts that is the church on mission and this is the time that we live in the time after the death and resurrection of our king but before he comes back in glory the time where we're on mission with Christ in the world, where he's inviting us to be his hands and feet in the world. But how does it end? It ends with reunion. The climax of the story is still to come. When Jesus returns to judge all with perfect fairness, the unbelieving and disobedient will not enter the life to come, but the forgiven will experience life in all its fullness, enjoying intimacy with God and each other forever. This really is the best part. And all those fairy tales you hear and they lived happily ever after, well, in this case, it's really true. It's actually a fact. The sadness and the brokenness will not go on forever. The tainted sinfulness, that doesn't win. Jesus will come again for our rescue. But this time, Jesus doesn't come so gently. I think about the sci-fi movies and all Hollywood's best attempts to create like a shocking scene. They've got nothing on reality. God is going to peel back the sky. Thundering armies are gonna rush in, led by King Jesus, and he will draw his sword. And rescue us again. We will just fall before Him, glory, glory, glory. Whoa, that's gonna happen. Sometimes I think we we read things from the Bible and we think, yeah, yeah. This stuff is more true than just basic physics like gravity. You get out of the bed and you, you have no doubt your feet are gonna go down in the morning instead of up. You can believe this is true, more true than physics. I mean, this is the truest thing in the world. More than the sun will rise in the morning, you can believe the Bible is true. We can put our full weight on these things. When Jesus comes again, we will stand before him, and if we have given our life to him and he is our Lord, he will say, Mine and he will welcome you in. But if you want to live your own life for you, and you want to be the king of your life, and you don't want anything really to do with his lordship, he will let that be so. And you will go off to eternal separation from him. There are only two possible realities in this scenario, heaven or hell. And those of us who know Christ, we will get to enter into the fullness of life with him that was always meant to be and with each other. And if you think of heaven as fat babies with harps on clouds, this is not what it will be like. We will love it. It will be as if none of this brokenness had happened, as it was always meant to be. He will restore and redeem it all. Thankfully, the quality of that life goes on forever. But friends, we have to know, do we believe it? This is reality but do we believe it? We really do have a choice. And God says it this way in Deuteronomy. This is the Lord speaking. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Friends, oh, that you would choose life. And as you think about the people you're journeying with, you want to ask them, Do you want this to be true of your life and help them come to that fork in the road in their life where they decide who they're going to live for? Do you know this story? Can you imagine yourself telling it over a cup of coffee, maybe over time? You know, you may not say, I mean, you may not sit down for them for 10 or 15 minutes like I just did right there and just gush about it. And you may think, oh, Shana, she's outgoing or chatty cat. I don't know what you think of me. You may think the opposite. I don't want to do it like her. But can you tell the story? Because there is just nothing that people need to understand more than this. So what we want to ask you to do is get to know the story better. Saturate yourself in the word every day. He's given us full story you can sit in it every day saturate yourself and then we want to help you with just a simple tool like I said it's called backstory these were screenshots from the very tool that we want to give you and you can use this in a couple different ways one way you might use it is with someone that you've been talking with already about spiritual things you've listened well to them you've heard where they're coming from you might say to them something like the message in this book has really changed my life I would love to sit down with you and talk about what it says and hear your point of view. They can say no, but if they say yes, you can just start by reading the first page. There's great questions. See how far you get. If time runs out, say, great, maybe we could pick this up another day. That's one way you could use it. Another way you could use it is you could set it on your nightstand and you could read through it every night so that you have the scriptures memorized and you know the seven themes and you could just talk about it and just go back and forth and they would never even have to see this tool. That's okay with me. I don't care. The one thing I don't want you to do is don't hand this out. This is not something to be on a windshield. You should not give this to your waiter or waitress after pancakes this afternoon. This is not a thought bomb that you lob over the fence and hope they read it. Don't put it in someone's mailbox. That's not what it's for. This is part of the conversational evangelism we're talking about, but this is the tool. It's like, take some of that I don't know what to say out of the question, okay? This isn't something to just hand out, but we have a hard copy for you outside, and you can also get it digitally on our Facebook page. Friends, I wanna say, you can do this. You can do this. You're never gonna have all the answers. You're never gonna have it all together. But some of you already are. You're wading into people's lives. You're hearing about their spiritual story. And you're taking a risk to talk about the gospel. And it is bringing your walk with God alive. As you're texting in and telling me these stories, telling us these stories, the word is coming alive to you. Relationships are more significant. You're seeing how thrilling it is to be on mission with Christ. And remember, our responsibility is to tell the story well and to show up. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes lives. You being clever or having a great illustration doesn't do it. The Holy Spirit does it. He reaches into hearts. He pulls out a heart of stone. He gives a heart of flesh so that someone could respond to the message. Our job is to be great storytellers and to try to tell the story all the time. Now, as we're going we're gonna to move into prayer. So go ahead and start setting your things aside. And as we head in, I'm going to finish with just this quote. It's a quote from a theologian named Frederick Buechner. Besides having a great name, he has a great way of describing the story of God. And so I want you to begin to ask the Lord, how are you doing being a cojourner? And if you're doing well, we want to celebrate with you. Like, God, you're giving me boldness to take this step or whatever it is. And if you're stuck... We wanna pray for you that God might move and get you unstuck. So go ahead and go to prayer and let me read this to you. It is a world of magic and mystery, of deep darkness and flickering starlight. It is a world where terrible things happen and wonderful things too. It is a world where goodness is pitted against evil, love against hate, order against chaos in a great struggle where often it is hard to be sure who belongs to which side because appearances are endlessly deceptive. Yet for all its confusion and wildness, it is a world where the battle goes ultimately to the good who live happily ever after and where in the long run everybody, good and evil alike, become known by their true name. That is a fairy tale of the gospel with of course one crucial difference from all other fairy tales. The claim made for it is that it is true, that it not only happened once upon a time, but has kept on happening ever since, and it is happening still. Friends, as we think back to that story at the beginning of the born identity, I was ashamed because I thought I had a good thing and I did not. We will never be ashamed because we do have a good thing. Father, would you put your hand in our hearts on the place where we're either stuck or would you even affirm in us your joy of us getting involved in the lives of others? And friends, I wanna invite you right now to either text in or write on an info card. If there's a place you're stuck, we wanna pray for you this week. And if there's a place God is breaking in, we wanna celebrate that with you. The number's on the screen. Feel free to let us know. We want to know these things with you. Maybe for some of you, God put your hand or his hand on your heart in a way that might be new, that he might be showing you by listening to that gospel story today that you're on the fence with him, or you don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. And if that's true of you, if you would let us know either through the card or text that you wanna talk with someone about your spiritual journey, we'd love to have that conversation face to face. Father, we want to thank you for your story. Not only that you made us for yourself, but that you come for us as a rescuer. That you are a warrior and you wage war against the slave masters in our lives, our sin and our independence from you. Lord, would you give us boldness to be used by you to rescue others who you love dearly. Thank you for involving us. You don't have to. You tell us you can make rocks cry out, but you want to use us. Father, we worship you.